me, everyone. Time to begin our worship service this morning. Certainly good to see those who are able to, to be out with us this morning. Been another long two weeks, and uh, I'll tell you this, after when this first started, none of us would have ever dreamed that this was going to last like this and, and have to call off services and the things that uh, we've had to do and the way it's affected people. Pam and I are doing well, and we appreciate the cards and the prayers. And, uh, and for all those who are sick battling COVID, we continue to pray for them. I tell you, it's not... Uh, it's not an easy decision to call off services. It's something when the elders meet and, and we talk about it and uh, we just try to do what's right. And so it's just, who would ever thought you'd have to make decisions like that? But we, we ask for your prayers and we continue to pray for that and continue to pray for the church here at Brownsville. We go over some of our announcements here. Friday Simpson had eye surgery, and she's doing well. Carol Galloway got to come home. Let's continue to pray for Carol in our prayers. And uh, continue to pray for Clinton. Clinton is going to have some stress tests uh, coming up. Clinton's having huge problems uh, breathing, and uh, they're going to run some tests on him. So let's uh, keep Clinton in our prayers. And... Uh, Frank Garlick was able to come home, but he needs dialysis, and we need to continue to pray for Frank and that family, and continue to pray for John Klein, and Mary Haney, and Sheila Harvey, and Jerry Graham, and Wayne Sowards, and we just ask that you pick up uh, one of these Rome journals if you have opportunity, and uh, look at it, and continue to pray for these people who are in the journal. This week... Uh, Walt Baker's father, John Baker, passed away a couple of days ago, and we certainly want to keep that family in our prayers, uh, be with them. And, and they live, what, two or three hours away, Terry? Yeah, okay, okay. So Walt and them, the families will be traveling. We want to pray for them at this difficult time. And, and Jim Haney, uh, Jim's... Uh, Sister-in-law, Jane Haney, passed away this week. We want to pray for that family. Also, Linda White had uh, shoulder surgery this past week. Keep Linda in our prayers. And, and I have some, some names that, uh, you know, it's been a long time since a lot of people, people on this list has been able to uh, worship here. And uh, they've been able to watch our services and, we just want them to know that we are thinking about them and they're on our minds and we're praying for them. And some of them has been able to come some, but uh, most of the people, I went down to Bulletin this morning, or, or, or uh, whatever it's called, the directory, I'm sorry. And looking down the directory, I noticed Jerry will kind of look at Mary when he gets stuck too and I always look at Pam. No. <laughs> But uh, people that, that we want to remember, if we get a chance, uh, give them a call. And, and uh, it's Hazel Brazil and, and Hilda, John and Brenda Klein, Yvonne Cornell, Frank and Jenny and Rod and Angie, Terry and Luann Egner, Jerry and Nora Fry, 
course, Clinton and Carol and Opal, uh, Eloise, David and Donna Henderson, Judy Gerald, Marvin and, and uh, Judy, Mildred Jones, she's been able to come some, Kevin and Robin Lyles and Twyla Nichols, Jim and Margaret and Jimmy, and, and, and I know there's more. I know there's others that I've missed, but we want to remember them and remember all of our shut-ins uh, who were shut-in even prior to this and uh, how it is when we have to miss a few weeks of service, uh, how bad that is to us and anxious we are to get back in worship. But some of these people that I've named haven't been here probably maybe for seven months, and and I know there's others besides that. So we want them to know if they're watching today that, that we are thinking about them and we miss them. So as we begin our worship service, let's bow and go to God together. Our Father, we do thank you that we're able to meet here this morning. Father, many times we, we, we prayed that and we thank you for our blessings and thank you that we are able to meet and Father, maybe there's, looking back, there's times that we just take that for granted. And Father, for what we've been through the last uh, six, seven months, Father, it, we just realize that, uh, that we can't take things for granted, that we depend on you. And Father, that we should need to call on you in prayer in our everyday lives and, and every time that uh, we have needs, Father. And we have need for you to be in our lives. We pray, Father, that, uh, that you will bless those that was mentioned here this morning. We pray, Father, that, uh, that you will bless the uh, Baker family at the loss of uh, John Baker. We pray that you will bless them, comfort them only in a way that you know how. And, and we pray for the uh, Jim Haney's uh, sister-in-law's family. Jane, we pray that, that you will bless them and, and, and comfort that family, Father. We know that these are hard times when uh, loved ones are lost, and we just pray that you'll bless them. Continue to be with those uh, who've had surgery, be with Friday, and be with Linda White. Uh, continue to be with Carol and be with Clinton with his uh, upcoming uh, test, Father. We pray that you'll bless him. We pray you'll continue to be with us, and we thank you for all that you do for us. We pray you'll be with Chris this morning as he brings us another lesson. And, Father, help us to always remember that it's good for us to be here and meet together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read uh, one verse that I, that I really like from uh, Jude, and I've read it before. And I think it's a really, a really good verse for us to keep in mind at this time and it says keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life would you stand as we sing the first song please First of Seven, two hundred forty-seven. Here we are, God's great children, here for the sake of the 
This world is not my home, my country has My treasures are laid out somewhere beyond the angels that can be not heaven's own door. I can't feel that Yeah. <laughs> 
Stop me, please. Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father, and we're thankful for this opportunity we have to gather here this morning, Father. We, Father, we don't know the blessing that it's been to, to be here, Father. We're so thankful for the opportunity to gather with our brothers and sisters and be with this service, Father, as we continue to worship you. Father, we're thankful for everything you do for us, Father. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for you sending him to the cross to die for our sins, Father. Father, we pray that you would be with all the sick that have been mentioned as well. Be with Chris as he brings us the lessons this morning, Father. We're thankful for everything you do. It's through his name we pray. Amen. Scripture reading is from Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside they sent him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him. And they said unto him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of the God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Next hymn this morning, number 511. 511, off we come together.
the, the pandemic, to me, the worst fear of it is not death. I was reminded when I was reading Philippians yesterday, Philippians chapter 1, and Paul writes in verse 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If, I'm going, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor, labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you, with all of you, for your progress and joy in the faith. Through that faith, my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus, will abound on account of me. I, I truly feel, at least from my standpoint, I'm okay with dying. Because um, I, I feel like I've, I've had a good life. But I don't think I'm ready to die, if that makes sense. Um, because I feel like there's still more things I need to be doing here on earth, just like Paul. But when I think of the pandemic and so many people are feared, uh, feared, afraid, excuse me, that's the country boy coming out. <laughs> so many people are, are afraid of dying, but my worst fear is so many people are going to forget. You know, the longer you, you quit doing something that you've done for a long time, you start to forget about it. And uh, my big fear is that the longer this goes on and the more and more people get accustomed to just living on their own and not worrying or thinking about God, we're going to forget. Christ, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, you know, he did that for a reason. He wanted us to remember because he knows as humans we can so easily forget. You know, God, the supreme being of all, sent his only begotten son to this earth for us to show us how to live and how to love and he gave up his body as an ultimate sacrifice that we might, we might one day have a chance of being with God in heaven. He wants us to remember all of this, especially his sacrifice on that cross. When we gather here this day, we remember that Jesus died for us, that his body was hung on that cross as an ultimate sacrifice. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our wonderful and kind and gracious Father, we're, we're so, Father, for helping us to remember day by day the sacrifice that your Son has made, that he gave his life for us. Father, now as we gather here this day with our brothers and sisters, that we, we pray, Father, you will help us to, to further strengthen our, our faith, further help us to continue to remember the sacrifice. Father, we're so thankful for this this emblem we have of Christ's body that was shed. We pray, Father, that you would bless it as we partake. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
touch upon the cross. It saddens me to think that the Son of God had to go through what he did for us. It saddens me, but it also fills me with joy knowing that he was willing to make that sacrifice. So I think about his blood that came down from the scars on his head and the blood when they, they struck him on his back and the blood from his, his hands and his feet. Uh, just a horrible, horrible scene. But then I'm filled with joy when I realize why he did that. And it was for me and it was for you. Let's pray again. Father, we again come before you in humble prayer. Again, Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who was willing to be the once and final sacrifice for all of us, to give his life, to shed his blood upon that cruel cross. Now, Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, the emblem of his blood, we pray, Father, that you would bless us and help us to do so in a manner pleasing in your sight. Watch over us in Christ, and we pray. One final thought here, I would encourage each of us to, to remember what Paul said. He said there in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my presence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. We need to keep these words close to our hearts, keep practicing our faith, as they say, and help those who might be struggling. We need to, at this point, take up a contribution. Um, we can't pass things around, and you know why, but in the back, there's yellow buckets. If you would remember when you leave, if you have not already done so, to please make your contribution back there. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 660. There is a habitation. 660. <clears throat> we'll sing the first three verses. There is a
meditation hymn this morning, number 655. There's a fountain free, 655. Good to see each one of you back with us this morning. If you, uh, if you want... putting together this kind of a virtual Bible hour thing. And they've been doing it for a couple of weeks. And my kids have really enjoyed it. But the little kids get to sing and pray and uh, take parts of the Bible class. And then uh, Mandy or Aaron puts together this really neat little um, Bible class for them. So if you haven't become a part of that yet, I encourage you to send in those videos and, and become a part of that. Watch those. Those are, those are really cool. Today we're back in Mark. We're going to be in chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. I suspended the, the series um, in Mark while we were doing our virtual uh, worship services because I thought maybe we needed to hear some specific things. But I kind of get tired of talking about the pandemic, don't you guys? It's kind of have pandemic fatigue, I guess. Um, so um, there are things in Mark that I think are useful for us, whether we're in a pandemic or not. And so I think those are things that, that I wanted to think about, and I hope that uh, are helpful for us as we go through this thing. Um, anyhow, all right, so Mark chapter 3. We're going to begin this morning with a prayer, and then we'll dive into our text. Father, we love you. You've been good to us, Father. We are thankful for your church, especially your church here in this place, Father. We're thankful for each member. We pray that you help us to grow, Father. Give us strength as we go through uh, this difficult time. We pray that you just continue to use us to bring honor to yourself, Father. Help give us open doors to teach the truth to folks who don't know you, Father. We pray today that as we study this incredible gospel, that you will open up our eyes and open up our hearts, Father, and help it to penetrate um, the parts of us that, that may be a little bit more hardened to, to your truth. Um, things that are difficult to hear, Father. We pray that you'll just continue to bless all the ones who are sick, help them to, to recuperate, to regain their strength, Father, be with the doctors uh, that, are, that are ministering to them. We pray that you'll just continue to, to watch over us, keep us safe, but uh, also help us to, to stay faithful, to love you more every day than we did the previous day, Father. Thank you for Jesus and the hope and the salvation that we find inside of him. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 3. You're going to find some interesting things going on in this passage. Uh, we're starting there in verse 13. This is where Jesus picks the 12 disciples. He has a large group to pick from. It's not like he has 10 guys. He has to go out and find two more, you know, so he can have 12 disciples because that's the magic number or something. It's not like that. He has a very large crowd of guys that he can choose from, um, varied. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, a diverse group. I'm sure there's older guys, younger guys. There's some women in the crowd. There's a, this is a large crowd that he picks from. He picks these 12 from them. You can see their names. You know the song. You know these guys uh, very well, I'm sure. I've got a little uh, fictional story on the front of the bulletin that I thought was kind of 
telling. Which one of these guys would you have chosen to propagate your message? If you were Jesus and you know in three years you're going to die. Uh, and you're not going to be there to tell your message to the world. So you need to entrust your message to some guys. And it's going to be their job to tell literally the rest of the world your words, your plan for their lives, for, to bring them back to God. It's obviously a pretty big, important plan. What kind of person would you choose? What kind of background would they have? I wouldn't have chosen any of these 12. <laughs> these, guys are, these guys are fishermen. Uh, they are uh, IRS agents, for lack of a better term. They are politicians. Simon the Zealot is, is a political guy. I wouldn't have chosen any of these guys. Uh, about half of the disciples, we know nothing about. I wonder why. Maybe they weren't as stand out as even these guys are. So you kind of think, well, I, I think I would find the best public speaker. You know, you've got to find like an Apollos kind of guy. Uh, I want an Apollos, uh, somebody that, that is eloquent, somebody that can attract crowds. This guy's got charisma. That's the guy I would shoulder tap and be like, I want you, right? That's not these guys. That's not these 12. I would shoulder tap uh, the guy with the best education. You know, I'd go find the Ph.D. in theology uh, of Jesus' day, and I would say, hey, I, I want you to be one of my disciples. That's not what Jesus did, right? These guys didn't have PhDs. These guys didn't really have an education. Most of these guys were just kind of common, everyday folks. So why? Why did he choose them? What made them so special? If you go back through and you listen to their stories, you get to know uh, at least three or four of these guys very well in the Gospels. That's Peter, James, and John. A little bit of Andrew. You know, you, you get some of these guys' life stories almost, and you get a pretty good feel for, for them. These guys are not outstanding. You know, they're not phenomenal speakers. They're not phenomenally faithful, even. Uh, Peter would be the, the, the standout in this group, right? But Peter is the one who notoriously falls away, right? And so what made these guys so faithful? Well, the thing that I've come down on that's encouraging to me is they weren't great thinkers. They weren't great speakers. There wasn't anything really fantastic about these guys, except they were willing to follow Jesus no matter what happened, no matter the cost. Every one of these guys gave up something incredible to be able to follow Jesus. And maybe walk through some of that stuff this week. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago um, with, uh, with the fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, and John gave up a, a lucrative fishing business so they could follow Jesus, right? So that's what people who belong to Jesus do. We give up whatever it takes to become close to him, to stay close to him. And you see that here with, with these, these fishermen. There's not anything outstanding about them outside of the fact that they're not going to allow anything to stand in their way of being close to him. Nothing. Not money, not family, not time, not even death. Nothing stands in their way of getting close to him. So in this section, that's kind of what we want to look at. I think Mark has put this section in his gospel for us to show us the kind of person who belongs to Jesus. And that's the very first characteristic of a person who belongs to Jesus. They don't allow anything to get in their way of following Christ, of being close to him. Uh, so those 
who are willing to give up everything to follow him. Those are who belong to Jesus. Now, dive into this next little section here with me. Uh, Mark 3, 20 and 21. He says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He's out of his mind. This is a little introductory section. Mark is fond of this kind of um, writing style. He'll introduce a topic, and then he'll move on to um, something that's in that similar vein, and then he's going to come back to it in just a second. He's going to do that here. You'll get to see his family come up again in just a few verses. So we'll deal with them mostly in that section when we come across those verses. But what I want you to see here is what are they, what are they coming to tell Jesus? Jesus is this upstart rabbi uh, who is attracting incredible crowds. He's doing things no one else has ever seen. Uh, he's, he's healing people that they thought were impossible. Uh, these diseases could not be healed. He's teaching like they've never heard before. Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees don't teach like Jesus teaches. He's teaching with authority. Uh, and so, but he's also making these claims to deity, to be God, to be able to forgive sins. And you saw that recently as he healed the, par- the paralytic, the guy with, that's paralyzed. Uh, he, he said, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees got mad about that. They didn't like that at all. And he said, well, what's easier to say? Rise up, take your bed and walk or say your sins are forgiven. But so that you know that Jesus has the power to forgive sins on earth, he said to him, your sins are forgiven. So his family know that he's treading in dangerous waters here. Um, they know that he's making some very powerful, very dangerous enemies in the Pharisees and the scribes. In fact, these guys rule Israel, and whatever they say goes. So as Jesus starts ran, uh, what's the word? As he starts going up, he starts making them matter and matter, um, they, his family starts seeing this is not going to end well for him. He's, he's going to get hurt. And so they come to Capernaum because he's, he's, he's come home. He's back in Capernaum now. And so his family comes to him, and they, they're going to try to talk him out of all this, quote-unquote, crazy talk that, that he started doing. Uh, he's the son of God. He can forgive sins. They didn't... They weren't sure about that, although you've got all this, these things with Mary. She treasured those things up in her heart. She knew who he was, right? She knew he's special. She knew that he's God. In fact, an angel told her he was before he was born, right? So not exactly sure what's going on here, why, why she's not more in his corner here. But his family says, well, he, he's kind of lost his mind. He's saying things that are going to get him in very deep trouble. And so they come in an attempt to talk him out of saying these kinds of things. So, obviously the scribes have figured out that, uh, that Jesus is claiming to be God. And you see a picture here of the, the healing of the paralytic that uh, we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, scroll down in your, in your Bibles for me. Mark chapter 3. Let's look there uh, in verse 22. So, Jesus is going to... Uh, be confronted by the scribes. These are not the normal scribes, though. These are the scribes that come from Jerusalem. You look in your text, it's verse 22 of Mark chapter 3. These, uh, the local scribes are called in the big guns, so to speak, the guys that are coming from Jerusalem. Uh, and these guys are the authority. I mean, you want to know a, a spiritual question, you go to these, these particular scribes who, who, um, who are in Jerusalem. And so 
the local scribes in Capernaum have called in these guys. And they say, well, we can't deny what Jesus is doing. He has this incredible power. He's obviously legitimately healing people. You know, we can't, we can't deny that. And so what are we going to do? Well, we can only attack where he's getting the power to do these things from. You can't attack whether he's actually doing them or not. That's obvious. He's obviously actually healing people. It's legitimate. And so you can only attack where he's getting the power to do that from. Jesus claims the power is coming from God. These scribes are going to come up with an alternative. They say, well, he's healing people by the power of Satan. And Jesus does this really interesting thing here. He puts together this incredibly logical argument. He says something along the lines of, well, Satan wants to take control of people. In fact, he wants control over everyone, right? And so why would Satan allow, give the power to Jesus to alleviate that, that control over someone? That doesn't make any sense. It'd be like Satan shooting himself in the foot. And Jesus says any kind of kingdom that does that, it's going to be... It's going to fail pretty quickly. He puts together this really logical argument. It's really interesting. So obviously Jesus uh, is not a crazy person um, because crazy people don't uh, use logic like this. What's really interesting, though, is what happens right after uh, this little section here in verse 22. Look down in, uh, in verse 26, 28. He says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the Son of Man, the children of men, and whoever blasph- and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphem- blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So what's going on here? This is a, one of the more uh, dis- debated passages over the years. Um, I think what's going on here is that Jesus has... Uh, Seeing what the Pharisees are doing, they are attributing his power to Satan, right? Uh, the, the power to do these miracles, they are attributing it to Satan. It's obvious that it's from God. He's just put together this really logical argument. That there's no way Satan would do this thing. It's the, all the evidence is on the table. Think of it like a, like a jury. Uh, so all the evidence against the accused has been, has been uh, presented the case is obvious. It's airtight. That's, that's essentially what Jesus is saying. Look, he can do things that no one else can do. He can heal people that no one thought could be healed. He's teaching in a way that no one else has ever taught before. And he claims to be God. He claims to be able to forgive sins. And then they say, well, that's not true. Let's throw up this best argument. The best and brightest um, theologians, and theologians that they could bring up against Jesus. They come up with this really ridiculous argument about him giving, uh, Satan giving him the power to do these things. And Jesus says, that doesn't make sense on the face of it. All the evidence has been presented. Jesus is obviously God. And these guys are just steadfastly refusing to see it. The, obvi- the, the, the evidence is right, right there in front of them. And they're just turning their heads stubbornly like a, like a kid. You know, uh, you ever tried to feed your, your baby some baby food and they just kind of turn their head? That's what these guys are doing. They're, they, just, they just don't want to see it. Well, why? Because Jesus' demands is that they submit to him, that they follow his teaching, and they are not doing that at all costs. They are not doing that. Remember how the disciples, at all costs, just wanted to be close to him? Didn't matter what, they had to give up just to be close to him. They, they were going to give that thing up. 
the disciples, or these guys, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, will give up everything to maintain their own authority. You see the difference? Mark's drawing a pretty clear distinction here for us when he puts these two groups close to each other, disciples and the scribes from Jerusalem. One will give up whatever it takes to be close to Jesus, and one will give up whatever it takes, including killing, obviously, the Son of God, so that they can maintain their own power. So the, the, the unforgivable sin here is the one who steadfastly refuses to, to submit to Jesus, even though the evidence is clear. I think that's what's going on here in this, in this passage. So there you find another example of someone who belongs to Jesus. Are you steadfastly refusing to see the clear evidence? Or are you, have you taken a good look at the evidence that Jesus really is God and that he demands your submission and you're willing to submit to him no matter what the cost? Are you holding on tight to the reins of your life? True disciples, true people who truly belong to Jesus are willing to let go because we've seen the evidence. He can do this life, whoa, that's close. He can do this life better than we can, right? He ought to be in control. This last little section here is, is where uh, Jesus' mother and brothers come back to him. He says, and his mother and his brothers came to him, and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. So uh, what is Mark trying to get across to us here? Who belongs to Jesus? Whoever submits to him. Whoever's willing to take our own ideas, our own agendas, and throw them in the trash and take up his will, his agenda, submit 100% to him, not allowing ourselves to take back control over our lives, but allowing him to have that control. Those are people who belong to Jesus. This morning... If you have not been baptized, you don't belong to Jesus. You're not a part of the family. The only way to get inside of the family, this is, this is Bible. Turn back to Galatians 3, 26 and 27. The only way to get inside this family, to get inside of Christ, is to be baptized, to have your sins washed away. At that point, you belong to Jesus. That's the very first step. After that, we go back to Mark, and we start talking about, well, you need to submit to him, because sometimes submission isn't easy, is it? Especially when we're in a difficult period in our lives where we think we know what's best. Submission's tough. Mark says, via God, that people who belong to Jesus submit to him. We follow his will for our lives, whether it's in our best interest or not. We submit. Every time, no matter the cost. Why? Just so we can be close to him. The disciples did it physically. We submit to him just so we can be close to him spiritually. If you haven't been baptized, you're not close to him. You're not inside of him. And being inside of him is the only way to be saved. So this morning, if you need uh, to, to be baptized, to get inside of Christ, if you are ready to give your life over to him, we want to aid you in that. 
uh, and baptize you into Christ and add you to the family of God as you belong to Jesus. Maybe you've already made the decision this morning. You just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be, to, to submit to him in ways, uh, new, new depths and new heights uh, that you've never done before. Maybe today's that day. Why don't you come as we stand and sing? There's a this morning for the last couple weeks we come in and and do the uh, recording on usually on Thursday or Friday and a couple times we forgot to mention giving it was brought to my attention of those two times and I was one of them that forgot it so but anyway this morning next Sunday we usually do this the Sunday before Thanksgiving but our annual special needs contribution we will collect that next Sunday, December the 13th. So try not to forget. We appreciate it. There are always something going on here at the building that needs special needs. If you don't believe me, ask Jeremy. There's always something that's tore up, wore out. But the building is large. Some of us have been here longer than I have. And uh, it needs to be repaired. And we appreciate it. We thank you very much. Let's close with hymn number 839, When All of God's Singers Get Home. And we'll sing the first and last verse, and then Brother Dave Trebathan will do some prayer. What a song of delight in the city so bright. 
Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful to be here on your Lord's Day, Lord, to praise you, to sing praises to you, to learn more from your word, to be able to apply your word to our everyday lives, Lord. Be with us as disciples of you, Lord, that we will may we may reach the lost, reach those who are struggling. Use your word to ease our anxieties in our life, Lord that we're able to lean on you during difficult times, Lord. Lord, be with us the rest of this week. Thank you for Chris for a great lesson, Lord, and continue to be with our elders in the decisions they make. Let us be encouragement to one another, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. <laughs>